0: Exodus chapter 5, Exodus chapter 5, I always enjoy the opportunity just to preach, I always come up here with, I think I have like 14 pages of notes and I manage to go about 15 minutes every time, but (laughs) somehow in my preparation I don't see how that works out, but um, it's still God's word, it's still important, and it's just awesome just to be able to preach it. Exodus chapter 5. As we look at this text, I'm just going to give a little bit of um, information before we read it. You might call this Moses' second chance. He had already tried to deliver the people of Israel in his own strength and had failed. He had spent the last 40 years of his life doing what you might say nothing if what God had planned for his life. And now... He had been called again by God. He had been equipped by God. He had been given God's promises. And now it was finally time for him to go and obey God. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. And it says, And afterward, after God had called Moses, after he talked to Aaron, after everything, he had arrived in Egypt. And here Moses is. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword." And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks, which they didn't make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof. For they be idle, therefore they cry, saying, Let us go sacrifice to our God. Let their war work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein. And let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers. And they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw." Go ye, get you straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your works shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hastened them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today as heretofore. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, let us go do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet ye shall deliver the tail of the bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servant, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people At all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for today. I just thank you for the opportunity to preach, Lord. I just pray that your word would be clear and your word would speak, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Obedience to God will encounter opposition. Getting up early in the morning to spend the time and reading your daily Bible reading schedule is going to counter the opposition of the flesh, of not wanting to get out of bed as the room is cold. And you do not want to do that, and you'd rather spend the next 30 minutes getting a little bit more sleep. But we know what God has commanded us to spend time in His Word, but it counters opposition. Staying separate from the world, making decisions that is going to bring us closer to God, may... Bring opposition from people who say they're our friends. They may say, why are you making that type of decision? Going on visitation may encounter opposition from rude people, weather. Serving God in obedience to God's plan will encounter opposition. It has been said that you never know the strength of the current until you paddle against it. And when you choose to obey God, you're going to truly find out the opposition of the world. My dad tells a story of a man he knew back in his sending church. This man was faithful to God. He loved his family. had a good paying job. But he had a special needs son who required a physician, a special physician, that he had to go to regularly for his condition. He witnessed on the workplace He loved God, he gave, he was doing everything that he could do to serve God. Because of his stand for God, one of his co-workers started lying about him to his boss. Resulting in him being fired from his work. Now, he had a special needs son with expensive medical bills. And because he had been obeying God, he could no longer provide for his family. And you look at that, and you, you listen to this story, and you're just like, wow, that's, that just hurts. Just, just even thinking about it, there's pain. Just in your heart, as you go out, as your heart goes out to this man. Moses, however, was even in a worse spot. By obeying God, he was now... Under duress, and his people were encountering opposition from Pharaoh. As we go back into Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11, we see uh, Moses as he was a young man in Egypt. And it says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked upon their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And as we go through this this part of the story, we find out that Moses ends up having to flee Egypt for his very life. Because he was trying to do what God had called him to do. But in his own strength, in his own way, he was going to be, I'm going to do something for God. And he ended up making one of the worst mistakes of his life, committing murder. And Moses then spends the next 40 years of his life being a shepherd. He went from being the son, having all the, all the advantages of being the son of Pharaoh in Egypt, to being a shepherd on the backside of the desert. But then... In chapter 3 of Exodus, we see in verse 1, "...now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed." And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress thee. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And through the next chapters, Moses says... God, I'm not the one to be sent. And God tells Moses, You're the one I have called. I am calling you. I will equip you. You are going to go. And the children of Israel are going to be delivered from their slavery. And all the promises that I had made unto Abraham and unto Jacob and unto Isaac all those years before are now going to be fulfilled in your time. and And Israel is going to be delivered. And they are going to go into the promised land. And you are going to lead them out. So Moses has very clear instructions from God. He has, God himself has given him his word. God himself appeared unto him. He has everything God could give him. He gave him signs and he goes in obedience to God to the most powerful man on earth and demands, let my people go under saying God's word. In great meekness, Moses did everything Right. He was with the right authority, he, God's authority. He was under the right spirit saying, I'm not saying this, God is saying this. In complete obedience to God, Moses went to Pharaoh and told him, Let my people go. There's commands God has given us, and we are to obey God's command. Even when it seems that it is impossible, even when it seems ridiculous, even when it seems you seriously want me to do that. Moses, as a former son, he was formerly wanted the um, proverbial or alive in Egypt, and now he was going back to Egypt and telling them, let my people go, thus saith the Lord God. He was, it was something that was very intimidating. It would have been very dangerous to his own life. Pharaoh could have had him killed. But he was obeying God. And we are to obey God no matter what the command God gives us from his word. And when we obey God, there will be opposition. We are going to obey God. We are to do exactly in every area of our life what God has commanded us to do. But when we do that, there will be opposition. As we see, Pharaoh's response, as he hears the message from God, the wicked king, Pharaoh, he scoffs at the authority of God. In verse number 2, he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. He's saying, I don't know this God. This God that you're telling me about is the God of my slaves. I have complete control over them and you're telling me their God is telling me to let people go. Somehow, this doesn't compute in my mind. I'm holding them in slavery. Why should I let them go? Clearly, if I have this God's people in slavery, I have authority over this God. He doesn't have any right here. He has no jurisdiction here. The God that you're telling me about, Moses? Um... I'm God here. You don't have any authority here, is basically what Pharaoh is telling God. He believes himself to be more powerful than Jehovah God. He's like, I have the armies, I have everything, and you people are slaves, and you're telling me to let you guys go. This doesn't really work in my mind, Pharaoh tells Moses. And the world often scoffs at God's authority. They're like, God actually has rule over your life? He doesn't have rule over my life. You know, it really doesn't matter if I need you to cheat or to lie on the job. I don't care if that's against your God, because God doesn't have authority. I'm the boss in this workplace, I have the authority is often what the world says. And Pharaoh defied the command of God to show his power. What Pharaoh did was he, in response to a command from God, he doubled the workload. He made it harder on the children of Israel. He said, you're not going to get straw to make bricks They had to go and they had to find their own straw and now they're being beaten. Now the children of Israel are in a worse predicament than before Moses showed up. Now, Moses is looking at the situation and is saying, I obeyed God and now the situation is worse. It appeared In this story, in this true story from the Bible, that as Moses went in direct obedience to God, the opposition he encountered made the situation of the people he was attempting to deliver through God's power even worse. No longer were they just simply slaves. Now the bondage was doubled. Now the people were being beaten. And the people come to. Moses and tell him you've put a sword in the hand of Moses to slay us and Moses begins to doubt God's sovereign promises the people tell Moses the increased suffering is their fault they go before Pharaoh and tell him this we can't do this your people the reason the bricks are not being made is because you've taken away the straw and he says you guys are just lazy get over it And now, the people are holding Moses responsible. And Moses goes before God in verse 22 and says, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses accuses God of not keeping his end of the bargain. He's like, God, I've done everything you commanded me to do. And this people, your people are worse off now than when I came. I am obeying you. But you said you were going to deliver these people. You promised me. You promised me that these people were going to be delivered. Your covenant promises are that you would take this people back into the promised land. But that doesn't seem what's going to happen here. In this story, Moses came fully expecting God to deliver his people. And now, they're being worked to death. They're being beaten. And the situation seems more hopeless than when Moses came. Yet he came in obedience to God. And so oftentimes when we obey God... At first, as we begin to make the initial steps, God has led us to say, this needs to be taken out of your life. This is something you don't need, laying aside weights. And we try to do that, and we attempt to follow God's will in our life, and then the struggle starts, and there starts to come more problems in our life, we feel, as we try to serve God. The struggle, the opposition, both from our flesh and the world, seems to triple and just multiply as we make steps to serve God. So often, the opposition just seems to become overwhelming, even though you did exactly what God told you to do. But that isn't the end of the story, as we know. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, and we are going to start reading there. As the Lord Jehovah replies to Moses, Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. God himself replies to Moses and says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand sh- shall he drive them out of his land. And God said unto Moses and said unto him spake unto Moses and said unto him I am the Lord and I appeared unto Abraham unto Isaac and unto Jacob and by the name of Jehovah of God Almighty but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out. Of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Is God reveals his master plan for his glory in chapter 6. Cuz now that Pharaoh had turned his back on God, God could show truly his power. Because God was aware of the situation. God had given Moses the command to go down to Egypt. God had heard the crying of the children of Israel. And he knew all that had transpired since Moses had gone and faithfully obeyed his command. God knew that Pharaoh was proud. And he wanted to humble him and Egypt to show them that he truly was God supreme. That he was the one who had control over everything. God had covenant promises with Israel. He had made the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, that I'm going to take you into the promised land. And he knew those. He was going to keep those. But he allowed opposition to arise so that his name could be glorified. Because God didn't just want Moses to come in and walk out with the people. Because then, they would look to Moses. Rather, God allowed such opposition to his plans. Because he wanted Israel to know that they had been rescued by his power alone. And through all the trials in the wilderness and as they walked into the land, one of the things they always looked back to was the fact that God had delivered them from the, under the hand of the Egyptians. As you read through the rest of the book of Exodus and you read the plagues and everything that God in His power, brought on Egypt to bring the children of Israel out, all you can stop and look at is God received the glory. God was the one whose power was shown. God was the one who all attention was directed to God. And the people in the land of Canaan, where they were going, they said, we don't want to mess with the God of Israel, the God that divided the Red Sea. Because He truly is God. And God used this opportunity to bring glory to His name and to show His power so all people, including Moses and the children of Israel, would know who their God was and would praise God for who He truly is. And so often God allows oppositions to His plan in our lives at times because He wants us to know that His power is the only source of victory. As we attempt to serve God, as we do what God has commanded us to do in our lives, there will be opposition. There will be times where, man, it seemed like it was easier before I started trying to serve God. But then as we serve God and we encounter opposition, but we continue to trust Him, we can realize and see the victory only through God's power. And then we can give the glory to God for what He has done in our lives because He is the one who accomplished it. And the opposition allows us to see how great the task truly is so that when the victory comes, all we can do is stop and say, glory to God, because He is the only one who could have accomplished that. The story of this building is a tremendous illustration of that. Because no one is going to look at my dad and say he is the best money raiser ever and that this all of this happened because of Pastor Pete Montoro rather when i i believe i was about 7 years old when my dad walked into our apartment upstairs holding an envelope with a check for $150,000 for the bill for the payment that was due several months before that, and the building was about to be foreclosed on, this very one where we're standing right today. And it wasn't my dad doing all this awesome stuff. Rather, it was God working with the opposition, and God received all the glory. And we call this building the Miracle on 35th Street today. And God still is receiving glory for what he did here. But there was opposition And the reason there was opposition is so we could realize how great God actually is. God can receive the glory when there's opposition, when we just simply obey Him and continue to trust Him and allow His power to be revealed so His power can win the victory and He can receive the glory. That story I'd started off at the introduction about the man who lost his job and his family. Well, a couple months later, he told people that he was trusting God and that God was, going to, God was going to work things out. A couple months later, he got an even better job in a town a couple hours away. That town also happened to have the best physician in the country for his son's specific thing that he was dealing with. But also, that town was where His home church was planting another church. And he got to be involved in the planting of a church and have the best doctor and have an even better job simply because he allowed God to work. And all we can look at that is say, glory to God. As I was thinking about this sermon, as I was coming back home and realized I was going to preach this one, I can't help but think about North Brooklyn Baptist Church and how right now there's there's opposition. They don't have a place to meet right now. And they're not sure what God's going to do. Right now, we don't know the end of that story yet. But I can tell you something, God's going to work. And God's going to receive the glory for it. And it's going to be all of God. And nothing, and Brother Mike will tell you this, it's not going to be his great skills in planning a church and his great skills in Doing it, But you're going to look at the story at the end and say, it was God's power. And it's God's power alone that brought the victory there. And we look at our individual lives as we deal with life situations, as we deal with what God brings into our lives. And first, we need to say, am I obeying God? Am I doing what God has commanded me to do? And as we look at God's word and as we obey specific in- instances in our lives and follow God, follow God's leading to Brooklyn. Follow God's leading to witness to that coworker. Follow God's leading to lay aside that weight in our lives. Follow God's leading in our lives. We can obey God exactly And still feel like the whole world just fell on us. But as we continue to trust God. Because the one person we can trust. The one thing that we can always rely on is God. Because he is the God who made the promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we know the end of the story in Exodus chapter 5 and chapter 6, that he did bring Israel out, and he did exactly what he promised, and brought Israel to the promised land, and he was the only one, when you looked at it and said, that was God's power that did that. That was, and we look at it and say, glory to God. And so many times... As we're serving God. We make attempts. However feeble. It may seem utterly ridiculous. As ridiculous. As going. Before Pharaoh. And telling him. Let my, let my people. Who you hold as slaves go. And the situation. Sometimes may seem worse. After we've obeyed God. It may be. God. What are you doing as in our own minds we cannot see the other side there's a song assurance sings that says God sees the rainbow when we see only clouds we only can see what's right in front of us but God has a greater picture in mind that involves us knowing him better and us being able to glorify his name for what He has done. God wants to receive glory in your life. In every one of our lives here, God wants His power to be shown evident as we follow Him, as we encounter opposition, both from our flesh, both from the world, both from just life situations. And as we simply trust and obey Him and trust in the Word that God has already given us, we can rely that He has the power and He has the strength to both see us through and to do so in a way we would never have expected. And God can truly receive the glory. When you're serving God and experience trials, don't blame God. Rather, trust and allow God to finish His plans for His glory. Just as I was studying for this message, I ran across this um, quote in a commentary and it said, out of this whole story, there comes to us this lesson. We must never suppose that the difficulties which confront us indicate that we are not on God's path in doing His work. Indeed, the contrary is generally the case. If we are willing to walk with God He will test the sincerity and temper of our soul. He will cause men to ride over our heads. He will bring us through fire and through water. But out of all, he will bring us into a large room and give us the very thing on which we have been taught to set our hearts. The further banks of the Red Sea with their song of victory will wipe the memory of those bitter disappointments, those sharp speeches, those hours of lonely anguish. God, if God calls us to do something, if God shows us clearly in his word, this is what I want you to do, and we obey him, he's not gonna just leave us to face all the consequences, though at times it'll seem that way. Rather, God is behind the scenes at work allowing us to see How great the task truly is. So when He works, we can step back and say, that was was all God. Nothing of me. God's power is the only thing that could have brought that. Make sure you're obeying God. That'd be a good start. Make sure what you're doing, don't just because you're encountering opposition, don't say, Well, I'm waiting for God to work. Make sure what you're doing is in obedience to God's word. And then, when the opposition does come, allow Him to bring glory to His name. Because God wants to do a work in North Brooklyn Baptist Church. God's not done working here in Open Door Bible Baptist Church. God's not done working in your life There's going to be new struggles coming up every day. What we can't do is try to do it in our own strength. Moses tried that. But when God gives direction, follow it. Because his power is behind his word.